Well, it's one of the most intriguing games of the Big 12 this week. It is Texas hosting Kansas. And, of course, we all know what happened last time these two teams met, especially down in Austin. Last year, of course, Texas dominated Kansas. But two years ago, I think many of us would say that uh, that win for Kansas in Austin is the kind of game that really solidified the future under Lance Leipold. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports is, of course, how you find us. Let's say hello and welcome on the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney joining us on the show. Brian, uh, two years ago, you think back to that game, that moment. How important was that win for where Lance Leipold has taken this program? You don't want to say it's everything, but, I mean, if you wanted to point to one decisive moment where the trajectory of this program to the moon (laughs) took off and really hasn't stopped its ascent ever since, it was that night in Austin, Texas. And uh, the crazy story about it is, I almost didn't get to call it. We wow. had a men's basketball game the night before, and, and David Lawrence and I were going to fly commercial that day, and I won't say which airline, but <laughs> our flight got canceled three times as we anxiously sat at the old KCI begging any kind of airline to take us down there. We made it about, I think it was 13 minutes exactly before we had to take the air up there at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium. So uh, that was a, it was a scary day. It was anxious. But, man, was it rewarding by the end of the night. And one of the, my all-time favorite calls, getting the call to Jared Casey, two-point conversion catch. A guy that wasn't even on our spotting charts, our two-deep, three-deep, four-deep. He was probably fifth string to start the week, but a series of injuries before the trip and then one in-game had him on the field for the moment of his life, catching that game winner from Jalen Daniels, 57-56. to 56. But, From a historical standpoint, you know, going back just two years in history here and thinking about the timeline since, that was the tangible, hey, we're doing something at Kansas. There is real proof in the pudding. Look at this win for the first time ever in Austin that they could point to in recruiting, that they could point to within the locker room of their current team. They didn't win another game the rest of the season, but, man, they were competitive. Came down to the final horn the very next week at TCU. And you just had a different feel around the program after that night in Austin. They carried over that momentum through the offseason into the spring and hit the ground running the following year with a 5-0 and start that included the first ever hosting for Kansas of ESPN College Game Day. And had Jalen Daniels not gone down with a shoulder injury that day, who knows how many games they win. But they wind up winning six, going to a bowl game for the first time in 14 years, and then taking that momentum into an offseason where your coach gets a contract extension, you bring back all of your assistants and coordinators for the first time in 20 years. Think about that. Kansas had become such a revolving door that it had been two decades since every single positional coach, strength coach, and coordinator on the same staff returned in subsequent years. Hadn't (laughs) happened in 20 years. So that continuity means the players are going to come back. 91% of the offensive production came back, which is number one in the country. 85% of the overall roster production came back, number two in the country. And you, you parlay that into a 4-0 start this year, first back-to-back 4-0 starts in 108 seasons of Kansas football. But really, it all got started on that night in Austin, Texas. It's not to say that they wouldn't have still recruited well, but – That was the feel-good moment and the tangible proof to recruits, to donors, to the guys inside that locker room 
that change is upon us at Kansas. And without it, who knows how much longer it might have taken. But that, that was the big-time moment. And I think even though Coach doesn't want to talk about it, and we got Hawk Talk tonight, and I have strict instructions not to bring up 2021. <laughs> he said that on Monday, and he looked at me when he said it. He's like, I don't want to talk about 2021. But the point is, your question right out the gates is, is absolutely astute. Because without that night, hey, we'd be good because we've got Lance. But, but I'm not sure we'd be quite as far down the road as we are today without that seminal moment down there in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. It's also true. Now, you mentioned some of the uh, returning production on this team. What I've noticed um, watching KU on and off like the rest of the Big 12 over the last four weeks is uh, this team's ability in the trenches, uh, most notably on the defensive side. I mean, you know, the offense obviously had a lot of flash last year with Jalen Daniels leading the way and Devin Neal and those guys. But uh, both sides of the ball in the trenches, it just looks different to me from where it's been, even even uh, to a large extent from last year. I mean, is that a is that a fluke, or are you seeing that? And if so, what does that mean for the rest of the season, Brian? It's not a fluke, and it's uh, it's a huge storyline. I mean, Kansas had to replace all four defensive line starters up front, and we didn't know what it was going to look like. It was the biggest question mark heading into the year, and it's been one of the best uh, positive, you know, surprises you could possibly have because this Kansas team through four weeks has been in the top four, or rather top ten, I should say, in the country in tackles for loss this entire first month and has been as disruptive and impactful with those guys up front as we could have ever hoped for or imagined. When Lonnie Phelps elected to forego his senior season to be an NFL early entry guy, there was genuine concern on where's the pressure going to come from. Jeremy Robinson is coming back, and, and he's made a nice start to the season with three-and-a-half sacks here to open the year. But the guy that's really jumped off the page with similar numbers has been a transfer from Minnesota by the name of Austin Booker. And uh, he had uh, one half that he missed at Nevada because of a targeting call late in the Illinois game. But uh, in, I guess, three-and-a-half games, he's got three-and-a-half sacks and has got four-and-a-half tackles for loss. He's been a really – big difference maker for Kansas and so with all those new starters Tommy Dunn Devin Phillips included Hayden Hatcher along with Booker on one end uh, we've really seen the Kansas defensive front be much more imposing you knew what you had in the secondary with Kobe Bryant and Kenny Logan and Melo Dotson you had an idea of what the linebacking core could be but I think J.B. Brown's addition from Bowling Green has been a mammoth addition for Kansas who just last week had a huge sack and tackle for lost play got two sacks and five TFLs on the season. He's been fabulous. And so this defense that was ranked in the 120s in, in total defense, scoring defense a year ago, it has been vastly improved. It, it held BYU to some of the lowest rushing totals we'd ever seen in a Big 12 game out of Kansas just this past week. Uh, 22 carries, nine yards, you know. So is it sustainable? Probably not on a week-in, week-out basis when you go up against the best offensive line you'll face all year in Texas and a great running back that had a long TD against Kansas a year ago and Jonathan Brooks. But on a more weeks-than-not basis, is it sustainable? I think it might be. I think this Kansas defense, personnel-wise, is experienced enough and has enough talented new pieces sprinkled in that we can completely change the trajectory of what we thought of them in the preseason and and they think that this can be a really formidable defense. It's not a steel curtain by any means, but may be good enough that Kansas can become a Big 12 title contender? Absolutely. 
and that might sound crazy to say Kansas in a Big 12 title conversation, and I'm not just saying it because it's Texas week, but think about it. As wide open as this league is, teams 3 through 14, why not Kansas to earn that second invite down to Dallas and Jerry World for the Big 12 title game on December the 2nd? Obviously, if they found a way to steal one in Austin this weekend, you'd have the inside track there. But, but even without it, why not Kansas? It, it's a team that, with all that experience we talked about, with preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year at quarterback in Jalen Daniels, if he can just stay healthy and this defense proves to be for real and, and not fool's gold four weeks in, I, I think that second seat, that second chair in the Big 12 title game is very much up for grabs. And Jayhawks do get Oklahoma at home this year. It's going to be interesting to see. But, uh, you know, to sit here on, on a late September show with you, Pete, and see three ranked teams in the Big 12, and two of them are the usual suspects, and one of these you would not expect to see in that same sentence most years. To have that 13 be Kansas is a pretty great feeling, and they've got designs on, on trying to stay there as long as possible, even if they have their toughest game of the year the same week they get in the polls this particular week. That is uh, well said. Brian Haney is joining us here on the show, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, I, I said uh, this past weekend, I think that this KU team is a legitimate dark horse for the reasons you just laid out there, Brian, and that is I, who else is there right now? You can make a case for about a half dozen teams um, after maybe Texas, which does look like the best team in the conference thus far, but Kansas is right in that mix. Now, the next question out of that, because I'm sure you've seen some of the rumors, and I doubt Coach Leipold wants any part of this conversation with you on your show, uh, but, you know, Michigan State, I mean, is that – we know he's got ties to that part of the country. Is that heating up at all? Is there any conversation there? Or does he seem like a guy who really wants Lawrence, Kansas, to be home for a long time? The latter. And uh, you never say never on anything in this day and age of, of collegiate athletics, but – if there was ever a time for Kansas to be vulnerable and nervous, it was last offseason when two programs he had direct connections to in Nebraska and Wisconsin were both open at the same time. But he gets the contract extension. He's able to, to get salary boosts for his coordinators and assistants. And then, you know, Kansas does something really smart in letting him have a lot of input in this new stadium and have his thumbprints all over the plans what he wants his program to look like, not just on the field and on the roster card, but in terms of facilities as well. And he's a guy that wants that type of responsibility and opportunity. He takes pride in helping pick out the uniforms each week. Now, he's that type of guy when it comes to meticulous organization and involvement. And so I think Travis Goff did a great job in, uh, in letting Lance have an active role in things like that. But having said that, if they keep winning like they are, of course you're going to hear that type of talk. And, and who knows? You, know, you, you may see you know, more contract uh, you know, boosts and bonuses coming his way if that's the case. But in the meantime, this is a guy that has made Lawrence Kansas his home. He is revered and adored here. His son is playing high school football as, as a junior in high school at Lawrence Free State High School. I don't see Kelly and Lance wanting to move him out before his senior year. Uh, so to me, this looks like the long-term home of a guy that has endeared himself to a fan base in such a fashion that it, it seems far more sustainable than even the Mangino success, which obviously, for those that don't know, he had won 20 games in a two-year stretch, including a 12-win 2007 season and a BCS bowl game win in the Orange Bowl. 
So, you know, that, that's, that's obviously the high watermark. The difference is with Lance, I, I think with the facilities upgrades and the new stadium and, and the culture that he's building, it seems sustainable a lot longer than just the back-to-back years and, and a handful of bowl games. Mangino ultimately went for four at Kansas. Lance wants to compete for bowls every year. And it's a crazy stat, and I hate mentioning it all the time, but KU, despite producing names like Gale Sayers and John Riggins and John Hadle and all these guys, Keith Tlaib, for example, we've only ever been to back-to-back bowl games once. Hmm. And so, you know, the bar for consistent excellence or just even consistent impressiveness isn't that high to where, you know, if Lance were to stay here, and go to bowl games four years out of five and and to be in the mix every single season. You build a statue for that guy versus trying to go somewhere else and and take on a a different trajectory of expectations. I think he's got everything he wants right here, and and he's got a fan base that that thinks that that he hung the moon. So so we're so excited about him. I don't worry a ton about that. You never say never, but I think when you look at – the synergy and, and the symmetry and alignment between our chancellor, Doug Durant, our athletics director, Travis Goff, and our head coach, Lance Leipold. These two men respect each other a ton. They're working in concert with one another. Everything's coming, you know, in, in the focus the way they want it to, stadium, facilities, program-wise. And uh, you know, for the first time, I'm pinching myself here, but for the first time, it, it genuinely believes like, Hey, we too can have nice things in college football. <laughs> we we too can enjoy this and settle in, and it's going to be fun for a while because Lance sure seems to be committed here and loving it here in Lawrence, Kansas. And why wouldn't you? It's a tremendous academic institution with a great culture across the athletic department, some of the best leadership we've ever had in athletics here. And what a time to be a Jayhawk. I genuinely believe if I'm lucky enough to do this for 30 years and live long enough to look back on those 30 I'll think back to this stretch, this window, the Travis Goff at AD, Gil Self and Lance Leipold the top basketball and football. I'll think of this stretch as the golden years. We're living it right now. So soak it up, Jayhawk fans, and enjoy every chance you get. That is a great perspective from Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joining us on the show. It's funny you mentioned uh, Lance's son. I was. It was the night of the Illinois game. I, I took my four-year-old Claire to go watch Olathe Northwest uh, and they were playing against Lance Leipold's son at uh, Free State there. So I didn't know that until Leipold's kids started catching some passes. I guess he's a wide receiver. He looked pretty darn good out there, Brian. <laughs> Landon's a great kid. He's, he's, he's a good football player. It's also in the, the National Honor Society academically. Kelly is such a tremendous mom. That whole family is awesome. So I love how much they've, you know, endeared themselves to the community and reached out within the community and, and they really do seem to be loving it here as well so That's yeah awesome. it's, it's neat you know Co- coach is actually sneaking out the last five minutes of the show tonight to get over to to landon's uh nhs national honor society assembly tonight and that's the kind of dad he is you know this guy who during commercial breaks will will say a flirtatious comment to his wife sitting in the front row about where we're we going to dinner later honey you know that kind of thing and it's, it's just really neat to see such a, a cool moment and a, and, a, and a really fabulous family be our leadership of Kansas Jayhawk football. That, that's great. Uh, Brian, what do you make here? We'll wrap it up, but I, I do want to get your thoughts here on what you make of, of Kansas and how they have been able to benefit from the transfer portal. I mean, you know, there's a lot of coaches who are not adapting to it. Some would argue Mike Gundy's not adapting to it. Dabo Sweeney, maybe not adapting to it. Some of the 
coaches who have had, you know, a couple decades of success may have not been prepared for it. It certainly seems like Lance Leipold has done a great job taking advantage of it and utilizing it with the right guys. We think about the Charlie Weiss years and some of those years where they're bringing in all these JUCO guys who are supposed to be the big stars. It never works. But the portal seems to be working very well right now for KU. Man, it really has. And, and it's a huge reason why they are probably operating a year ahead of schedule uh, in terms of getting to the bowl game in year two and having a chance to, to compete in the Big 12 race in year three. You know, he did it initially with some really familiar names that he brought from Buffalo. And two of those guys are now captains on this team now in their third season at Kansas. Mike Nowitzki, the center, and Rich Miller, who's as good a leader as we have on this entire roster at linebacker. But I referenced earlier, you know, you got Austin Booker, who comes from Minnesota. He's been a tremendous pass rusher off the edge. J.B. Brown, a linebacker from Bowling Green, is playing right now as well as any linebacker we have. When you look in the secondary, Marvin Grant came in a year ago from Purdue. He's made some big-time plays. Kalen Gervin out of Michigan State has been great for a couple of seasons now. You know, offensively, they, they brought in uh, Dylan McDuffie, who was with them in Buffalo, then went to Georgia Tech, but he's been in the running back rotation. A lot of their skill position guys have been more homegrown of the, the high school variety, but that's not to say they don't have transfers there, too, like Doug Million, who's one of our best blocking receivers out on the perimeter. He's from Minnesota. So I think Kansas has done a really good job. And a couple of guys, you know, you talked about in the trenches earlier, and I went off on an eight-minute tangent just about the D-line, but the O-line is, is deeper and more talented than they've been since the Mangino era because you brought in guys like Kobe Baines from Louisville who came in in the middle of last season. And then you know, these guys haven't dented the starting lineup yet, but Spencer Lovell and Logan Brown from Cal and Wisconsin, respectively, are two grown men. Brown's a former five-star. Yeah, five. Wow. Uh, he's got an injury. He's not been able to show all that he's capable of, but he's 6'6", 315, and comes from the Badger program and, and obviously has a big-time ceiling as well. And so the Jayhawks have done a very good job in the portal. And obviously, as you can imagine, Pete, your recruiting sales pitch gets easier and easier when you're winning on the field and you're doing it with immediate impact, plug-and-play type guys. That's what Lonnie Phelps was last year. How do you think they were able to get other pass rushers like Booker and company to come in this year? And one name I haven't mentioned that broke out just last week is a Michigan transfer in Cornell Wheeler, who I think will be a household name by the end of the season. So they've done really well in the portal. And, uh, I mean, just look, look at the starting linebackers. Craig Young, Ohio State. Rich Miller, Buffalo. J.D. Brown, Bowling Green. Just told you about Cornell Wheeler, Michigan. All these guys are portal swings and, and hits, and in a couple of cases, they're home run swings. So hopefully Kansas will continue to work it well because that is a big part of why they've been ahead of schedule in this very rapid ascent. Mm-hmm. That is uh, well said, as always, by Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, of course, will be in Austin this weekend for that Texas-Kansas matchup. Brian, always appreciate the time, my man. Thanks so much for uh, being here, being on the show, and so thrilled for all the success you're having there in Lawrence and along with the football team as well. So we'll do basketball down the road. We appreciate you hopping on. Hey, thanks a lot, Pete. I know you got a huge listener base all over the region. This is my last go-around to Austin, Texas. So if anybody's got a last meal on 6th Street or last trip 
to the ATX suggestion for me. Please uh, DM me on Twitter or, or send Pete a message and he'll text me. Uh, we're going to soak it up uh, on Friday night because it's kind of nostalgic as we head down there. Don't get to go there for basketball this year. So this is it. This is we're it. Gonna try to make a memory while we're there. Thanks, well, Pete. Always a pleasure, buddy. You bet, man. And I know, I know you're a Boy Scout, Brian. You won't get in any trouble down there on 6th Street. I know that, right? Oh, no, it's, it's a 2.30 game, so we'll, we'll be back in our room. About 11, <laughs> but, but, uh, had it been a 7 o'clock kick the next day, you never know. <laughs> Appreciate you, Brian. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, brother. Always love having Brian Haney on the show. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Hey, before you go, would you take out 30 seconds, leave a five-star rating and review? Um, great way to help this show grow. And if you want to do that, I'll get you the free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get you all hooked up. And, uh, by the way, we're 14 ratings away from 700 on this show on iTunes. So, if nothing else, would you hit the five-star for me? That'd help us tremendously. Thanks, guys, so much. Uh, We'll have, of course, my bad bet, uh, my lock, and my underdog of the week coming up here as we approach week five of the college football season. Hit that subscribe button. And we'll talk to you soon. Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. See you later.